Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 17. Filthy Henry watched the dot as it moved outside the small golden tower in front of his eyes, indicating that Dagda had pulled an Elvis and left the building. He looked over at Ogma. You can talk to him from here, he said. Ogma nodded, watching the map with great interest. We can talk with our minds throughout the realm, if the need arises, and we're not blocked via some magical means. The fairy detective waved at Shelley to come over, pointing at a spot beside the map for her to stand at and observe from. He turned his attention back to the dot that was Dagda. Right, Filthy Henry said. Remove all the dots bar him. There was the briefest of ripples across the display, and all the dots bar one vanished, leaving only Dagda's outside the tower. What are you hoping to see? Shelley asked, as she leaned in a little to stare at the map. Nothing, Filthy Henry said. Right. Tell the fat man to teleport down to Ireland on the count of three. Doesn't matter where. Just go down for about ten seconds, then come back. I heard that, you disrespectful pup. Dagda's voice boomed from some unseen source in the room. Oh, Ogma said, adjusting his glasses on the bridge of his nose. I forgot he would be able to talk directly to us while still in the realm. They all watched the dot as Ogma counted down from three. Right on cue it winked out of sight. Filthy Henry counted under his breath as he watched the golden map of Ireland for a dot. He had just about reached two when Dagda's dot reappeared, somewhere outside Dublin. Did you see it? the fairy detective asked Shelley. She frowned and shrugged her shoulders. I saw nothing happen, she said. Exactly, Filthy Henry said with a snap of his fingers. What about you? This last bit was directed at Ogma, who merely looked over the tops of his glasses at Filthy Henry and shook his head once. I'm not sure what you expected to happen. He teleported, as we've all done countless times before. Right, but were you watching closely? Filthy Henry said. He turned back to watch the dot, as it vanished from sight once again, only to reappear a second and a bit later outside the little golden representation of Ogma's tower. It moved inside, and the sound of overweight feet plodding up the stairs could be heard. As Dagda entered the study, Ogma waved his hand and dismissed the golden map from sight. Well? Dagda asked, as he gestured at his cauldron on Ogma's desk. The cauldron shot across the room, and the portly god reached inside and pulled out a tankard filled with foamy ale. Did you learn anything? Nothing, Ogma said. I've no idea what we were looking for, Shelley said. They all turned to Filthy Henry, who had a big grin on his face as he met their gazes. This was one of those moments in life that you just had to savour, like a fine wine or a great cup of coffee. You had to truly appreciate everything about it, allow it to linger around so that other people could bask in it. You know, he said, for a race of nigh-all-powerful beings, you sure don't see the bloody obvious. Dagda paused mid-sip and glared at the fairy detective. Out with it, the chief of the gods said. There was something in the gods' tone that made Filthy Henry think twice about dragging things out. Survival in a world filled with magical beings meant she knew when to stick the knife in and when to avoid being turned into something unnatural. 
You gods and fairies have been teleporting around for so long, you all just take it for granted. But you don't seem to fully get how it works. Sure, it is by far the fastest way to get around, but it isn't instantaneous. Of course it is, Shelley said. We've been doing it all week, with the coin. Filthy Henry shook his head in the negative. No, it isn't. There's a fraction of time, just over a second, where you are not at your destination, but you aren't at your source either. You both saw it just now, when Dagda teleported down and back up. His dot was gone from both places for about a second. I'm guessing it's just the nature of magic, that it breaks everything down in one place, moves it super fast to another, then rebuilds. But for that bit in between, the moving, you're in neither place. You're in a no-place sort of place. The moment of nothingness. What's that got to do with Miek still being alive? Dean Kecht asked from over by the door to his holding room. Filthy Henry couldn't help but smile now, even if it was going to irk Dagda. It has everything to do with it, the fairy detective said. As Miek was teleporting down to Ireland, somebody grabbed him from the in-between. During that tiny one second, then they swapped in the doppelganger, but it was done with such finesse, such precision, that you didn't catch it in your little book. That nobody caught it, in fact, no matter how hard you looked. He twirled around on the spot and grinned at the healing god. Feel free to faint now from shocked relief, the fairy detective said. Dian Keck frowned. But gods can't faint, he began. Ah, oh, shut up and take a joke, Filthy Henry said. You can pass out when you think you're being killed. You could have just played along. Without any indication or warning, the fairy detective found himself fired across the room and pressed firmly against the wall. Try as he might, Filthy Henry was unable to move, even his little finger. His face was so close to the stonework that it afforded him a chance to truly admire it, something he had never felt an overwhelming desire to do at any point in his life. Now listen here, you, Dagda said. My friend's life hangs in the balance, and more than that besides. We've no idea if what you just said is even possible, so drop the smug attitude. More to the point, being so flippant about a person dying. Even if what you suggest is true, there's still a dead body that needs to be accounted for, so just grow up. With the roar of the last word, the force around Filthy Henry vanished. He fell to the floor but remained staring at the wall. You could have heard an atom-sized pin fall on the tower at that moment. The fairy detective decided to take the moral high ground. He stood up, dusted himself off, then walked over and stood beside Shelley. Explain this to me, Filthy Henry said. Openly and honestly, no wordplay or doublespeak. When you told us that you alone had the power to remove Dian Kecht from existence as punishment for the crime he's being accused of, what exactly did you mean? Dagda and Ogma exchanged a look. It means I will be removed from time itself, Dian Kecht said before either of the other gods spoke. Removed from time? Shelley asked. When you die, your deeds remain behind. This is the way of all mortals, Dian Kecht said. But if you're removed from existence, it's far worse than merely dying. The ripples of your actions are undone. It's as if you never were. Time itself is rewritten to account for the absence. History retold. All memories of me erased. Permanently. Filthy Henry felt as if he had been hit by a train. With this one statement, everything became so much clearer. Motive, 
intent, and the great plans of the dark gods. So if you get removed from time, then so does Miak by extension. Oh, Father God, to have a son. Where once the good guys had two healers, now they'd have none. Meaning that during the War of the Gods, you wouldn't have the advantage, Shelley said. You would lose. Because when Balor and his lot take out one of you, there won't be anyone around to heal you. That really is one hell of a chess game Balor is playing. But why don't you just, you know, not do it? You know the bad guys are behind all this. Just don't let them win. Ogma shook his head. It doesn't work like that. Either Dagda does it and erases Dienkecht, or Balor gets to remove them both. After the war, a pact was struck by both sides that included how judgments were to be handled. Should a god break the rules, the most powerful god over him, his chief, was to dole out justice to the full extent or face the same judgment from their counterpart. If Dagda refuses to carry out Dienkecht's sentence, even though we know but we can't prove it that Balor was involved, then Dagda will be erased by Balor also, meaning history will be rewritten even more drastically. The fairy detective cleared his throat and dusted off his shoulders for no reason other than to do something with his hands. Ogma waved his hand in the air and sent a spray of multicoloured magical letters floating towards the fairy detective. They swirled around him for a moment before dispersing, leaving behind a shirt missing any bloodstain. Give me six hours, Filthy Henry said to the three gods. I'll get Miak back. Then you'll have all the proof you need that Balor was involved. You lot just be ready to do some work for a change. He cupped Shelley's elbow and guided her towards the stairs, down to the floor below and out of the tower. Once outside, they stood on the top step as the clouds drifted by. Let's go wrap this up, he said. Are you okay? Shelley asked, holding his hand a little more tightly than usual. That got pretty heated in there with Dagda slamming you in the wall and all that. Ha! I'm fine. Seriously, I'm fine. Dagda was holding back in there, even though it looked otherwise. If he'd used his full force on me, there'd be a ginger splatter stain on Ogma's wall right about now. I just want to get this case over and done with, so that I don't have to deal with jumped-up false gods for a while. Are you sure you don't want to talk about it? Filthy Henry looked her directly in the eyes and shook his head. Having a limited selection of friends throughout the years had allowed him to develop a keen ability to suppress his troubles and keep them deep, deep down in a mental pit. Just because Shelley was showing an interest in his problems didn't mean he was going to break the habit of seven decades. We're going to go back to Brez and Balor. First of all, we need to prove that Meek's alive. Right then it dawned on him where Meek was being held in so obvious a place that he could have kicked himself for not thinking of it sooner. The younger healing god was being held in the one place that Dagda had no insight into, Balor's domain beneath the earth. Right, new plan. We head down to Balor's place, ask to go see him, but really rescue Miak from the clutches of the dark gods. But first, we're going to need some supplies. Ogma and Dagda watched the two little dots representing Filthy Henry and Shelley vanish from sight before reappearing in Dublin on the golden map. Out of the corner of his eye, Dagda saw Ogma watching him nervously. Out with it, the chief of the gods said. You were a little hard on him, Ogma said. I mean, you know what he's like. You've known for years. Dagda turned slowly and looked at his fellow god. So? 
That doesn't excuse disrespect at the level he operates on. But you've trusted him with such an important task, Ogma said. Maybe a task too great for him to accomplish. He has potential. He just wastes it. Henry could be something truly great. He could be the one that finally acts as a bridge between the worlds of fairy and man. Imagine how different and better the world would be if both people could happily coexist. Ogma shrugged his bony shoulders. True, but potentially he could be so much worse as well. I mean, he has all that magic in him, and yet he doesn't abuse it like most humans would. Don't forget, he can make mistakes. He is only human. Half, Dagda said. Walking back to his desk, Ogma sat down and took up his quill once more. Half then, he said, and once again started writing in the tome. You really should go easy on him, Dian Kek said from his seat. Don't you start, the portly god said. All I mean is that of the three of us, two know exactly what it is like to be a father. One of us was lucky to have a child that's full fairy, the other one that's mixed. You put a lot of faith in a half-human to solve a fairy problem. Maybe be a little more lenient with him. Dagda scratched at his beard and headed towards the staircase. It isn't the human half I put my faith in, the chief of the gods said. Drew the Druid, owner of Dublin's premier magic supply store, happily slid the bolts into place on his shop door and walked back through the empty aisles towards his home in the back rooms. It had been another good day. Many the magically titled and totally dud object had been sold to people of a non-magical persuasion. That was the hilarious thing about economic hard times. People just did not want to put a bit of elbow grease in to get rewards. Instead of saving a bit more, spending a little less and doing the extra odd job for cash in hand so as to avoid paying the taxman, gloriously lazy people came to magic shops where they could buy items that would bring them money. At least, that's what they came in looking for but Drew rarely sold actual magical objects to normal people. Mainly because you had to have a source of magic for the object to work in the first place, unless it was an item that carried its own internal magic charge for some limited use. Instead, Drew the Druid, purveyor of objects both mystical and mundane, sold these dear gullible fools sparkling things that had labels with instructions straight out of fortune cookies. There was no chance they would work or do anything other than collect dust on a shelf somewhere. But they were expensive, and that meant they had to be legitimate. Who ever heard of a fortune charm that cost a few hundred euro but wasn't the real deal? At least, that was what the buyer convinced themselves, and Drew never argued with the customer. Plus, when all was said and done, somebody did benefit in an economical fashion from the transaction, just not the somebody who thought they would. There was a sudden rush of air, followed by a pop. Drew stopped in his tracks and looked over his shoulder at the man and woman standing by the display of protection charms, one of the few items on sale that genuinely worked for normal, non-magical people. Greetings, Filthy Henry said in far too friendly a tone. I told you the last time, you're both barred from here, Drew said, turning around and pointing an accusing finger at them. You blatantly robbed me last time, Filthy. I mean, it just took what you needed and left. Hang on a second. How did you get in here? We teleported in, Shelley said, as she reached out to a box of reverse harm charms and picked one up. You being a druid and all, I would have thought you knew about that sort of magic. 
Drew marched down towards the pair of them, making sure to keep a display unit between himself and Shelley. When they first met, Shelley had shed her nice girl image quickly, by throttling Drew until he gave the fairy detective supplies free of charge, a lesson that the Druid did not want repeated. I know all about teleportation, Drew said. I also know that in a world filled with fairies, only a fool doesn't install an anti-teleport system in a shop filled with magical items. Sure, any fairy thief could just pop right in and take what he wanted. So the question still stands. How did you get in? The door's locked. The windows don't open. The spell has been in place for 50 years. It's never failed. For all your magical power, I know a half-breed can't just teleport two people through a spell like that. Filthy Henry walked over to the cashier counter and opened up a packet of yoghurt-covered hazelnuts, pouring half the bag into his hand and popping them into his mouth. Need a refill, he said between chews. I'm charging you for those, Drew said, indicating the nuts. Those I can sell for five euro to crusty hippie types that think the packaging makes them look less mainstream than the ones sold in the newsagents next door. Filthy Henry examined the packet and shrugged, before tipping the rest of the nuts into his mouth. This is real? Shelley asked, holding the reverse harm charm up for Drew to see. Ah, of course it is. I've just got them in. In fact, I'm wearing one now, the druid said, tugging on a bit of rope underneath his collar. Its charge protects for about twenty attacks on your person, reversing the damage onto the person inflicting it. Twenty little ones, or one, or maybe two big ones. Big ones? Shelley asked. An attack that would kill someone. Drew replied. You could take a seriously powerful magical attack and instantly redirect it without any worry at all. So don't go throwing any punches at me this time or you'll end up giving yourself a black eye. Eh, uh, Drew, we uh, were looking for a shadow orb, Filthy Henry cut in as he tore open another pack of nuts. Drew straightened up and walked over to the fairy detective, taking position behind the counter. I don't have a shadow orb, he said to Filthy Henry. Those are illegal, in every sense of the word. Filthy Henry finished off the second stolen packet of nuts and winked at Drew. Sorry, I thought it was clear. We want your shadow orb. You've got one, hidden in the false floor behind your counter here, and I need it. What's a shadow orb? Shelley asked as she came over and joined them. That's a little old illegal object that could be used to completely mask a user from everything around for forty minutes. Nothing, be it normal human technology or a fairy god, can see or sense the user until the spell ends. The orb protects itself from being discovered as well until it's used, so they are easy to smuggle places. But given how useful it would be to be removed from every form of surveillance for forty minutes, you can understand why they would be highly illegal. It's not even something a person is allowed to make. The general feeling is, but why make something if it isn't intended for mischief? Black market items, you might say. Definitely not something to use or have stashed in your shop floor. Even worse if you've two of them, which a little birdie told me you do, Drew. Drew could feel the beads of guilty sweat forming on the back of his neck. It had been his biggest tell growing up. So much so that when his mother questioned him about things, such as who dropped the baby down the garden steps and ran away, she would cup her hand around the back of his neck. Every ounce of willpower was currently being used to stop his hand picking up a cloth from the counter and wiping his neck dry. Honestly, filthy, Drew said, focusing so that his voice did not break. I haven't got one. Why would I? Two? 
Sure, that'd be just doubling the trouble I don't want to go asking for. If you can't see them, then how do you know he has one? Shelley asked. Yeah, exactly, the druid said, pointing toward Shelley as if she'd just made the most valid point of all time. Not that I have one, you understand. Filthy Henry did that grin that always unsettled Drew to his very core. It was the grin that said, I know exactly what I said is true, and you've just helped me by admitting it. Only wolves should have been able to grin in such a manner. To see it on a human face was just not right. Just uh, flick on your fairy vision, Filthy Henry told Shelley, as he began to eat from his third packet of yoghurt-covered hazelnuts. Just add this to the tab, he said, holding the packet up in front of Drew. The druid glanced at Shelley and saw her close her eyes, seemingly concentrate on something, then open them again. Nothing appeared to have happened, but she started to slowly look around the shop. He knew, from their first meeting a few months back, that Shelley was a human like himself, although Drew came from a line of people that could tap into the magical powers of a trapped fairy, like all true druids were able to. But Shelley seemed to be seeing things with a tinted vision as she peered at everything. When her gaze passed over the floor behind the cashier counter, Drew felt his heart skip a beat. There's no way she can see it, Drew thought. No way. I can't see anything, Shelley said. Only half the junk in here seems to have given off any magical aura. Oh look, this reverse charm thing is actually magical. Junk, Drew said with the true outrage of a store owner who had their wares called into repute. My dear girl, you're standing in a genuine magical store. Leave my place of business immediately. If you can't appreciate the finer magical things you see before you, go on, get out. Well, you're in an awful hurry to get rid of us, Filthy Henry said as he rolled up two of the empty nut packets and put them back in the third. Any particular reason? Drew simply shook his head. Sure, aren't you breaking the rules with her having magical sight? He asked the fairy detective. Deflect everything. That was what Drew's father had taught him. When backed into a corner, try and make the other person feel your guilt. Yeah, she's a special case, Filthy Henry said. Artist. Gets glimpses of the other side without knowing it. The gods allow her to see the magical side of things. Shelley, look directly behind the cash counter again, will you? Just at the floor. Shelley did as she was asked. But every time her gaze fell on the spot that Drew had wanted her not to look at, it drifted off. Then the penny dropped. Holy moly. Filthy Henry winked at the druid. Gotcha, he said. Now hand it over. Drew the druid was just about to admit defeat when a dangerously clever idea popped into his head. He slowly pressed a button under the counter, opened up the hidden compartment in the floor and retrieved the shadow orb. As he gingerly placed it down beside the cash register, Shelley leaned in, looking confused. I don't get it, she said. Well, if you go looking for a shadow orb, you won't be allowed to focus on the spot it's in, which is why you generally have to be caught holding on to the damn things, because searching will always prove useless. That is, unless you purposely go looking for nothing. Oh, was all she said in return. Kind of like that spell Dagda cast. I doubt even Ogma knew it was here, but I spotted it a few months back on one of my supply runs. Daylight robbery sessions, more like, Drew said. And I figured it would be useful information for a rainy day, Henry finished. The shadow orb, a sphere of glass roughly the size of a football, pulsed with a low purple light, little dark clouds swirling inside its glass container. Drew made sure to keep his hand firmly on top of it 
so as to prevent the fairy detective from stealing it. It turns out I do have one left in stock, Drew said. Which is why I'll sell it to you for a reasonable price. Much less than I sold the other one for. You sold the other one? To who? Shelley asked. Some odd fellow a few months back. Think he wore a wig. Came in looking for a shadow orb and had no limit on how much he was going to pay for it. He paid in cash. No questions asked sort of thing. Scary sort though. Dropped a large knife out of his pocket as he reached for his wallet. But why concern yourself with who bought the last one? But I'm willing to sell you this one. I'm listening, Fildy Henry said. Now it was Drew's turn to grin like a wolf, although he knew it would barely unnerve Filthy Henry. Something about being short, rotund and bald just did not inspire fear. But it was rare that anybody got to pull one over on the fairy detective. If nothing else, it would make for a great story. I want whatever you use to teleport into the shop, along with the instructions on however it works, Drew said. Filthy Henry shrugged and reached into his coat pocket, pulling out a fat gold coin. You can't do that. We need that, Shelley said. Well, we need the shadow orb more, he said, handing the coin over to Drew. The druid did not even reach out to take the shiny gold object from Filthy Henry. He had been an associate of the fairy detective long enough to know that there was usually some angle being played. But as the coin was placed slowly down on the table, with Filthy Henry's left index finger firmly holding it in place, Drew got a sense of power coming from it. Whatever else it seemed to be, this was clearly no ordinary coin. What's that? Drew said, indicating the coin with a nod of the head, while at the same time trying to appear as disinterested as an intern in work. That, my pot-bellied friend, is a coin given to us by Dagda himself. You might be able to stop everything else from teleporting into the shop, but you'd be hard-pushed to stop a god from going where he wanted. This is how we got in. So payment has been made. Filthy Henry said, sliding the coin across the counter. Drew gingerly reached out and touched the coin. Being a full-blood human, he had no innate magical power of his own, but years of being involved in the fairy world had helped him to develop an almost sixth sense when it came to magic. It helped if you were in the business of buying and selling magical objects to be able to tell if an object being sold to you was truly magical. As his finger brushed against the gold, Drew felt a rush of raw power emanating from the coin, more than just a suggestion as he usually got, but a definite sensation that this was a powerful artefact in his grasp. Payment accepted, Drew said. Filthy Henry lifted the shadow orb up in his right hand before offering it to Shelley. Don't drop it, the fairy detective said to her. She took hold of it with both hands, trying to keep it steady and ensure it touched as little of her body as possible. For the love of Dagda, will you be careful with it? Filthy Henry said as he moved closer to her and placed both his hands on opposite sides of the orb. I am being careful, Shelley said. Drew ignored the arguing pair before him and held the golden coin up in front of his eyes. It seemed to be so plain and simple an object, yet it opened up endless opportunities for him now. The world was literally his oyster. With the right supplies, not to mention a few more shadow orbs, Drew figured he could be out of the magical shop business in a year. A bank vault here, a jewellery shop there, all with the help of being able to teleport in and out. It would leave him in the history books as the greatest criminal ever, one nobody would ever know the name of. Eager to take the coin for a short test ride, Drew the Druid gripped it firmly in his hands and cleared his mind. 
He closed his eyes and focused all his thoughts on the display unit directly opposite the front door. Then he waited to feel something. I'm telling you, you're going to drop it. Put that protection charm back on the display stand. Don't let go of the orb. Here, give it to me and I'll put it back. Not the orb, the charm. Have you something in your pocket that's making you unbalanced or something? Let me check. Will you keep both hands on the orb for feck's sake? Filthy Henry was saying. Shelley replied by simply taking the deepest breath that Drew had ever heard a woman take in his life. You too, Drew said, opening his eyes to find that he had not moved an inch via magical immortal means. This isn't working. Filthy Henry looked over his shoulder, with both his hands on top of Shelley's as they clasped the orb together. What isn't? the fairy detective asked. Well, for a start, the coin. But also, this isn't Dr. Drew. Take your domestic outside. The coin works, Shelley said. Even this ignorant tool can make it work. You just hold it and think of where you want to go. Then you pulled a fast one, Drew said, annoyed. Give me the real coin. You must have switched it when I blinked or something. He tossed the coin at Filthy Henry, who caught it with his left hand. This is it, Filthy Henry said. Sure even a human can sense the power from it. Whatever. I've seen auras moved from one thing to another before. You would know how to do that without any trouble. Filthy Henry held the coin up between two fingers so that both he and Drew could see it clearly. All you do, he said, is hold the coin, think about where you want to go, then using your innate half-fairy magic to let the coin know you aren't just human. Suddenly Drew found himself alone. They were gone. No fancy effects. No bright lights. Not even some strange whirring sound in the air that suggested a fantastical machine in dire need of a drop of oil. It was simply a case of now you see them, now you see the afterimage of Filthy Henry's thieving smile as he vanished from sight. Drew the Druid let out a sigh in the empty store. Oh, I should have seen that coming. Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle.